Hi, I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Kramos. And this is The Back Peg, episode 9 of the Daily Doha series. And today's episode, in lieu of a sponsor, is brought to you by... Well, it's brought to you by the magic of football, but today, I feel football. This was by far and away the best day that we've seen across the two match days. The first two games were just chaos from start to finish. And the second two, we saw two team performances in Brazil and Portugal that really do lay down a marker. Best day of the World Cup so far, without a doubt. I'm a fan of these four matches per day, even though it plays havoc with sleep patterns and uh, it's just it's just crazy because the entertainment factor today is memorable. It really is. And, you know, four different matches with, you know, two which were just utter chaos and just brilliant to watch. Brazil-Switzerland, was a, we, we said that would be a tense affair and it proved to be so and the Brazilians hung on, got the result. They deserved the result, but they were, you know, they were tested. And um, oh, we've just seen Portugal versus Uruguay. And the first half was, um, as we said, it was going to be tight as well. But, um, yeah, it came to life in the second half. Where shall we begin with the day's action? There's so many interesting talking points. There's so much to cover out of these four games. I think we've got to start chronologically, to be fair. All right, let's kick it off with the first game of the day then. Cameroon against Serbia. And you said it was chaos. That is the right word to describe this game. And absolutely remarkable how Serbia were 3-1 up and managed to throw it away. And I will refer to Serbia as throwing it away. That the way the game was going, they came already came back from 1-0 down to lead 3-1. And the game management for the last period, for mine, was shocking. Why, why, why were they still playing such a high line against Cameroon? And yes, the number four for Serbia was caught out with the high line a couple of times for Dreyer for lagging behind the rest of his defenders. But sitting that far high up the pitch is just a recipe for disaster, and that's what it was. Abubakar getting in behind twice for a very similar ball, a very similar goal situation. It's criminal for mine. It is criminal, and it might cost Serbia in this group. It very well could. It very well could. You're right about uh, Abubakir there, uh, getting in behind. And, um, the, I mean, after the first one, yes, they thought it was offside, Right, and what a clever, clever finish that was. Wow. That, that was the finish of someone who thought he was offside. <laughs> yeah, correct. But not only that, yes, you're right there, but clever nonetheless because you've got to play until the, you know, until the whistle stops, that, like until the whistle blows. You know, it's the first thing that you're taught as a kid, play until the whistle blows, right? It's play on until you hear a whistle. That's it. So, you know, um, credit to Cameroon and Abu Bakir there and... and Serbia should have learnt the lesson from that move. I'm surprised they just let him do it again a few moments later. That I think that will cost Serbia, unfortunately. Their defence is... I mean, and we pointed out in the preview series as well, our Destination Doha series, that that, um, that Serbia's defence would be questionable and, and so it proved. But a great game. What a great game. Like, Wales and Iran was probably the game of the round, match of the second round for me, just for the sheer drama and the exertion that everybody put into it. But I'll tell you what, these two games from overnight and the second one we're, we're about to get into, I think they've superseded it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. These two games, they're the best two games of the tournament in terms of drama, in terms of action. Yes, some other games maybe showed a higher quality overall, but if you want just pure drama 
far out. Look no further than these two games this morning. Before we move on to South Korea, Ghana, we have to mention the goalkeeper situation of Cameroon. What has gone on here? Andre Onana, who is at Inter Milan, who's a good good goalkeeper, and he was all right in the first game. He didn't really put too many uh, foot wrong, if at any, if at all. And inexplicably dropped from the squad, dropped from the team, sent home, and he's not coming back. This tends to happen to the African nations in, 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 the, in the World Cup, right? But uh, just to go back to your point about the, the games, just quickly, this is why we love the World Cup. Games like what we, see, what we saw overnight, incredible, absolutely incredible. Now, I'll be making sure that uh, I'll be putting on the highlights for the, the kids this afternoon as well, I can tell you, because that was incredible. The, with regard to the goalkeeper's situation at Cameroon and Anana, crazy, absolutely crazy. But it's not the first time that this has happened to the African nations. It, it just seems to be a clash of personalities. People lose their heads and off they go. It's crazy. And it, it, and it did come back to bite them as well because I think Cameroon probably, they may have actually gone on to win the game if they had Onana and Ennet, particularly the Sergei Milinkovic-Savage goal. That one stands out to me as one that the keeper should be saving it. And if you have Onana in there, who is a quality keeper, he would have saved it. And maybe Cameroon would have gone on to win the game. We can't say that for sure, but Maybe. 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 Should we move on to South Korea, Ghana? Let's do it. This was utter, utter chaos from minute one to minute 90 the entire way through. We did say yesterday that it was probably going to be entertaining, and oh boy, it was entertaining. Wow. Amazing game. Amazing game. Amazing game. game. Yep. It was chaotic, but there was so much quality in there as well. Uh, where do you start with this? I think Ghana were good for the win. I mean, you could have said it's a draw, right? But I think Ghana just had that, that edge over, uh, over South Korea during the whole 90. 90 plus 11, we should say, uh, with Bento being the, the South Korean coach, Portuguese-born South Korean coach, being sent off uh, or being issued a red card after full time. So that just adds to the chaos and the craziness of this game, right? But um, the deliveries of set pieces in this game and the crosses, just incredible, incredible goals, like really quality goals. Jordan Ayew, where did that come from, those crosses? I've not seen him do those sort of crosses in the Premier League ever. Where where has that come from? Yeah, yeah. And that's what's made me, like, I, I've given him my player of the day based on that quality. I mean, yeah, so, I mean, closely followed by uh, Joe Gusung with the, with the two goals that he had for South Korea. But Jordan Ayu, take a bow. <laughs> Delivery of crosses, in, uh, incredible, incredible. The second goal, the Ghana score, the, the Kudus header in the first half, that cross in was inch perfect. You won't see a better cross this entire tournament. And it goes to show that Ghana, despite not being one of the favourites to go through from the start, there's just so much quality and depth in all these teams at the World Cup. And no, none of these teams have really embarrassed themselves so far this tournament. And they've all shown why they're here at the World Cup. And Ghana has so much quality in that team. There's a few players in this Ghanaian team that have changed allegiances relatively recently. The likes of Inyaki Williams and Tariq Lamsey, who were perhaps holding out for a, a spot at England or Spain, or in the case of other players, other countries. But this Ghanaian team that took the field yesterday is so high on quality. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. To your point, you, was, you said about the, none of these countries embarrass themselves. If they did happen to embarrass themselves in match day one, they've made up for it in match day two, right? So I think, you know, I agree with you on your point there. All these teams um, are worthy of their positions. They've qualified here. The only embarrassment unfortunately i would say is qatar but then again i think the pressure of the first you know the uh, first match got to them 
and they de- definitely gave a better account of themselves in their second match. But um, that brings, you know, I mean, we've got uh, the, the two matches to, to go, which will bring it into a match day two for the group phase. And uh, boy, these were um, dramatic in their own way. They were. They didn't have the same level of chaos, but I don't think you'll see a more chaotic uh, fixture than the two we saw at the start of the day. Let's talk about Brazil. 1-0 winners over Switzerland. Casemiro with a fantastic goal. Brazil were really impressive for mine. This could this could be the best Brazil team since 0-2. Yeah, that's a fair call. And look, they're deserved favourites, right? Because that was a performance that um, it, it kind of made you feel like the round of 16's come early, right? And we haven't even hit match day three yet of the group phase. We'll go through the permutations of uh, each match, of each group, um, as we preview the forthcoming match days. But it feels like we're already in the round of 16. And with those two, Brazil versus Switzerland and Portugal-Uruguay, they definitely had a round of 16 feel to them. They did, yeah, both games were so tense. And Brazil, they looked really good. No Neymar, of course, but they still went about their business and they were fairly, fairly comfortable. Switzerland, they offered some resistance, but Brazil were just too good on the day. Discipline. Discipline, yeah. Brazil were disciplined. That's a good word. Which is really, and patient. And... For mine, I think I might have to change my prediction. I do think Switzerland will get through based on what I've seen. Switzerland, yes, they are a team that doesn't excite, but they just get the job done. And they were they were unfortunate to go down today as losers, but what I saw from the, the first game and what I've seen from Serbia, I, only, I don't see Serbia going and beating Switzerland on match day three. I'm not prepared to change yet. That game could go either way. That really could. So... Yeah, look, I know defence wins titles, but uh, we're not talking about Serbia winning a title here. But you know, they might, um, they might just on the day have a good, solid defensive performance. But you know, their their uh, attacking third just um, might explode. So I don't see it. I see it being a lot closer. But I think Serbia might just still edge them on uh, match day three. But um, there's still a lot of football to be played before then from the other groups, that's for sure. Certainly is. Let's talk about the last game a bit more. Portugal against Uruguay and Bruno Fernandes with two goals. One that he didn't mean and one from the spot, but they are his goals and he was very frustrated not to make it a hat-trick towards the end of the game. He was he was beating the turf and cursing whoever whoever got anywhere near him that he couldn't be wasn't able to secure his hat-trick, but it capped off a, a really good Portugal win. Yes, Uruguay had a few chances. Luis Suarez missed one late on that he probably should have scored, but Portugal looked really strong. And this is a Portuguese team that still has many gears to go through for mine. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, look, Portugal were good for the win this morning. They were the better side. Um, you know, it was interesting that uh, Uruguay tried to maintain the defensive discipline. Um, and, um, you know, Godin got caught, allowed Fernandes to play that ball, you know, intending to uh, to put it on uh, Ronaldo's head. But um, no way it touched Ronaldo. No, I, I, don't, I don't think. I don't think. Look, great effort to get up there. Right, but it, it was uh, Fernandez's goal. And if Ronaldo doesn't go up for that, the keeper just catches it. So correct, correct. So you know it, it, that was a, a critical, um, a critical play there as well. And look, he's doing what every centre forward should get should do. Right, every striker should do is you know get up there and go for the ball. If it's in play, you got to go for it. So should we um, move on to our players of the day? Yep, Lazarus, you mentioned too during the South Korea Ghana recap. Yep. Uh, are you pinning your colours to a mast? Yeah, I'm going with Jordan Ayew. He was brilliant. Those two crosses and his all-round play was really good. Um, I'm tempted to go with Jordan Ayew as well, but that's... Uh, uh, I need to go someone different. I'll go for... Um, <laughs> I'll go for Kudus. 
Two goals. This is a player who has been linked to big moves in recent seasons. He's at Ajax now, who, no disrespect, are a big club in their own right, but he's got so much quality kudos. And it's an attacking midfielder by trade, but he has to sit a little bit deeper for Ghana, and he delivered the goods again. I agree. Agree. Good call. Um, what was your moment off the pitch for the day? <laughs> Does a goalkeeper situation count at Cameroon? Does Paolo, Paolo Bento's red card count, given it was after full time? I've got one. Canelo Alvarez, the boxer. Yes, go on. Posting um, something very interesting online with regards to Lionel Messi. Oh, I did see this. I did see this, yes. Yeah, saw Messi cleaning the floor with our jersey and flag. He should ask God that I don't find him. Wow. But it carries on overnight as well with Cesc Fabregas putting his two bobs in, saying, you neither know the person nor do you understand how a locker room works or what happens after a game. All T-shirts, even the ones we wear ourselves, go on the floor and are washed afterwards, and more when you celebrate an important victory. So Fabregas uh, jumping the defence of uh, Lionel Messi there, which I found uh, interesting, an interesting interchange. And uh, the wonderful world of online, which uh, these things can occur. Yes, it's very interesting that uh, it was Fabregas coming to, to Messi's aid. If you believe the rumours, they might be teammates before too long. Yes, that could happen. That could happen. Very much so. So we've come to the end of match day two in the group phase. Already. It's, it's just been over a week. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. What was your standout um, disappointment from uh, group matches at match day two? Oh, look, the obvious one is Japan. We we both would have Japan as our number one disappointment, but we'll we'll slot them in at first and then we'll have a chat about some other ones because, yes, Japan were disappointing, but we cover that and there's going to be other disappointing team performances. I think mine, England, come to mind as a disappointment, the sort of level of performance that they did put out. Uh, also Serbia, that they weren't able to get the job done against Cameroon. But if you ask me to pick one behind Japan, I will go for England. I'm going to go Canada. Okay. Yeah, good shout. I'm going to go Canada because um, they started that game like a house on fire with Alfonso Davies scoring the uh, Canada's first goal. But the performance, the, the level of performance that they put in against uh, Belgium definitely warranted a win. But from match day two, their performance against uh, Canada reminded me of the Australian performance against France. Standing way too far back, too many defensive errors, not applying themselves. And unfortunately, it looks like they were talking a big game or their manager was talking a big game. Like you said, John Herbin, who we're a fan of, but... Yeah, it just uh, didn't manifest itself on the day. So they're my standout disappointment from um, from the second round of group matches. Your standout team? I think France really impressed, given that they were able to beat Denmark fairly convincingly, a side who has been a thorn for them for a few years now. But I might go with Morocco. They were really good, really good against Belgium. They were well worth the, the three points, and it was a very good, well-rounded team performance. I had Costa Rica in mind because of the fact that, you know, at least picking themselves up off the floor and dusting themselves off, even though they didn't offer much and I'm not a fan of their football, but to scramble and defend like they did and then be able to, you know, uh, turn themselves around with a win, I I think that deserves a special mention. Yeah, it's a a good shout. It is a good shout. I I, I put them down in in a surprise category that we're going to come on to just in a second, but yeah, Costa Rica were... Defensively fantastic. Any standout individual performance from the um, the second match day? Uh, Kylian Mbappe. He was fantastic. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention uh, Vincent Abubakar here as well. Great shout. Coming off the bench and saving the game for Cameroon. Yes, we can point to the defensive line for Serbia and their lapses of concentration, but at the end of the day, you still got to create the goals and score them. So 
Abubakar scored one, assisted the other, and yes, I think he, he well deserving of a shout for player of match day two. I'm going to go local with the Socceroos and Harry Suter. Defensively, amazing performance. An amazing performance. Really, you know, and it's been noted overseas as well. So I suspect there will be some transfer talk about um, Harry Suter come January. I hope not. <laughs> I hope he just stays at Stoke for the, for the rest of this season so he can get the run of games going. Because if he moves to a big club and he becomes a bit of a rotation option, then I think it's not great for his career, especially because he is coming back for the injury. That, that That's just the timing for mine. I think, yes, his performances at the World Cup might be getting a few more uh, eyes batted, but the end of the season for mine would be the best time to move. I agree with you. I agree with you. Laz, who is your team surprise for match day two? Who was the team, in, in, a, in a good sense, who was the team that you didn't think were going to be too impressive in match day two, but turns out they actually were. Hmm. That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. Iran. Yeah, the bounce back ability yep. of Iran. Yep, Iran. Costa Rica's a, an obvious one to cling on to. That comes to mind straight away. Uh, I might go for Ecuador, though, that they were able to back it up, back up the, the performance. Yes, they didn't get the win, but I, was, I had question marks whether it was just, okay, it's Qatar. See what you can do against another team. Along comes the Dutch game, and they put in the same level of performance they should have beaten the Dutch early on in the week. And yeah, they were my team surprise for match day two. No, that's a great shout. So we've come to the end of match day two. We've it's still averaging two and a half goals per game after the thirty-two matches up until played up until this point. So we are about to kick off match day three of the group phase with groups A and B playing tonight. And the kickoff times are two p.m. Uh, sorry, two a.m. Rather, so it's just <laughs> two p.m. would be nice. <laughs> Been a long World Cup already. I'm thinking it's in the afternoon. So uh, we've got t- Group A kicking off at two a.m. Ecuador versus Senegal and Netherlands versus Qatar. And then we've got Group B, which will be the six a.m. kickoffs tomorrow morning with two standout games in that group. My lord, we've got Wales and England and Iran versus the United States. Yes, we've moved into match day three and we have, we've lost the midnight slot, we've lost the 9pm slot. The next four mornings are going to be pretty tough, but it's going to be high on drama. I don't think there's going to be a dull set of games going the entire way through until Saturday morning, I believe it is. And wow, we kick things off on match day three. As you mentioned, Group B, what a tasty set of fixtures we have here, England, Wales and um, USA, Iran. But we'll talk about Group A first because they are the first ones up, and two games at 2am, as you mentioned them. A look through the permutations. Qatar, as we know, already headed home. Well, they are home already, but they, yeah. they, they can't <laughs> advance to the knockout stages. Uh, the Netherlands, to advance to the knockouts, all they need to do is avoid defeat to the Qataris. For Ecuador to advance, they just need to avoid defeat as well. If they don't lose to Senegal, they'll be going through. And for Senegal to advance, they do need to win. So it seems quite simple on paper. But if Qatar win by two goals or more against the Dutch, it becomes very complicated. We've got potential open openings for fair play coming into the into the fold as well. So, for the simplicity of the group and the permutations, let's let's hope that the Dutch are able to do the business. At least not lose by two goals, yeah. even if it's a, even if it's a nil nil. And you'd be hoping that as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, sign me up for that. Um, but yes, just for the simplicity of the group, if Qatar don't win, then it does seem a lot more straightforward. That's right. No, that's right. How do you think it's going to go? I think the Dutch will win. I do think the Dutch will win because Qatar, 
Yes, they were better in match day two, but they're still not at this level from what we've seen on the pitch. They should be at this level based on what we've seen from the other Asian teams and what they've been able to do. Qatar should be one of the better Asian teams because, yes, they didn't have to qualify, but they are the reigning Asian champions. So they should be. They should have been able to join the party like Japan, like Australia, like so many other Asian teams have been able to put in a good performance this tournament, but they haven't been able to, and I can't see them winning this game. I can't see them getting a point. I'll go the Dutch 2-0. I'll go the Dutch 2-0 as well. Uh, Ecuador-Senegal. Oh, what a game. Critical one. What a game. This is the critical one. Yeah. What a game this is. Jeez, how do you call this game? Senegal were improved against Qatar, but Ecuador have just been fantastic. I think it'll be a draw. And that's no good for Senegal. Nope. A draw would see Ecuador through to the round of 16. And, oh, I'm tempted to agree with you, Lazarus. I'm tempted to agree, but I might go for that little bit of extra drama. I might go for a late Senegalese winner. There you go. Which will mean that we'll have Netherlands... Uh, probably going through on first and uh, on goal difference, if that is the case, and Senegal go through on second. And if I go, and if we go with the draw that I've tipped, uh, it'll be as we are now, Netherlands first and Ecuador going through in second. We move to Group B now. Group B, Wales versus England, the home nations battle. Yes, it is a derby. Uh, we had a derby in the last major tournament, the Euros. England against Scotland, that one fizzed out for a nil-nil. Hopefully this one isn't the case. The England fans will not be happy if there's another nil-nil for England at, at, in this group. Thing is, though, for England, all they've got to do to get through to the knockouts is to avoid losing by four goals. I think they can do that. <laughs> um, Wales, they need to win this game and hope that the other match, Iran-USA, ends in a draw. If there's a winner in the other game, then they will be going home. But it's still possible for Wales. They are up against it. I can't see I can't see Wales getting through. I Maybe it will end up as a draw this game. I can definitely see that happening, as much as it'll be maligned by the England supporters. But Wales, I think they are going home. Yeah, I think they are too. I think England uh, with a narrow win here, but it would not surprise me if it is a draw. But I just think England might uh, just shade it 1-0 in this case, and uh, that would mean that the Welsh will be going home. And there goes my pick. Um, The next game, uh, the geopolitical clash of this World Cup. Iran versus the United States, but there's so much more on the line here. Forget politics, forget anything like that. We're looking at the Iranians who have come back from uh, being trounced, you know, got up and defeated Wales in a dramatic game, which was probably the game of the tournament up until this morning. And the United States who have had two draws and uh, a win here will take the United States through. Very simple. A draw will... um, will probably take Iran through, I'm guessing, uh, just from the top of my head there, yep. Um, if should Wales should Wales uh, defeat England. This is essentially a, a knockout clash here because we've tipped England to not lose to Wales. So it is winner takes all in this game between Iran and the USA and that's going to be a common theme for the next four mornings that it is winner takes all. There's so many of these groups that are so finely balanced and this is the first one. Or the second, actually, because we had Senegal against Ecuador, which is winner-takes-all as well. And based on what I've seen, Iran was shocking in the first game, but they bounced back so well in the second. The USA, they look good, but they just don't have that little bit of extra quality to get over the line. I think Iran will win. I think they'll be able to hit... I'm expecting them to sit deeper, Iran, because they don't need to win the game. A draw's okay for them. I'm expecting them to sit deeper, concede possession, allow the US to come onto them, try and hit them on the break. I think they'll be able to get some success that way. They, the US leave a lot of space in behind, and I think they can. 
get a win in this game. Just I have less of the ball, more of the goals, and three points. This game could go either way, right? It, it, it's that close. There's not a lot in it. I think Iran will just shade it just with their technical ability going forward as well. Uh, I think they offer a little bit more going forward as compared to the United States, but the United States have played some pretty good football at times during this World Cup, to be fair. And and obviously that's why they've had the two draws, right? But um, And they look okay going into, you know, going into 2026. I don't know if they'll get out of the group here. I just think that at best they can get another draw, which won't be enough. And if they go home with three points, three draws, I think it would be seen as a disappointment because the England game, yes, it's England, but they probably should have won the game. They were the more likely to go and win the game. Yeah, yeah, they had an opportunity to win. Same as the Wales game as well. Yes, that was a bit more finely balanced being the first one. But on another running of these fixtures, maybe we're talking about the Americans going through with seven or nine points. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and that brings us to the end of this episode of the, uh, the Back Pegs Daily Doha series. Yes, our wrap-up for match day two, high on drama and leaves us in very good stead for the last round of the group fixtures. The next four mornings are going to be some fine action. The football is going to be great. The drama is going to be ramped up to 11. Stay locked to the Daily Doha for your wrap-up. Yes, the time slots are unfavorable, but uh, stick around and we'll give you a wrap-up on everything that happened in the morning. Thank you very much for listening. Check out the socials on Twitter and Instagram at the back peg. Thank you, listener, for tuning in. Thank you, Lazarus, for joining me. Thanks, Nathan. Thank you to everyone that's listened and interacted with us uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, And um, enjoy the next uh, four days of football. Take care, all.